0: always do it on my own so i gotta get through it and the only thing i know is to love what i'm doing never give up never slow till i finally prove it never listen to the nose I...
1: he who controls the past controls the future he who controls the present controls the past let's get started all right so first off sunglasses they are not to be cool once again uh, i'm on a new medication because of a medical issue so i have a crazy light sensitivity and this is better than having a seizure and passing out so you know maybe it'll become part of my permanent aesthetic but these are the only pairs of sunglasses that i own or this is the only pair rather so uh yeah (laughs) i'm just going to be sporting aviators inside like a d-bag um so Ann's not here. Uh she's got to deal with eight kids and some other stuff that's going on that she'll update you guys on next week when we film. We got a great episode planned. Uh Zach's at work. So I wanted to get something out. There's too much going on this week not to talk about the news. So I decided I would just do a solo one here. Um so if you're you're tuning in, might be a little bit different than the normal show, but I appreciate you sticking around. Um All right, so first and foremost, I need to clear the air about this Ukraine clip. Um, For those who don't know, we had a clip that, a YouTube short that went somewhat viral, viral for us. It got a few thousand views. And there was a lot of positive feedback, but there was also a lot of negative feedback. So I wanted to show the clip, and then I wanted to explain in context what I was trying to say. Regardless of whether you agree or disagree, I at least want to explain it. Um, I'd also like to point out that if you were upset by by that clip or any other clip, go to our channel, watch the long-form content. For those few thousand views that we got, very few people went and watched the full episode. So it's kind of a game you got to play where you got to release content, get eyeballs, draw people in to try and get them to view your content, subscribe, all of that stuff. That way our message gets out. Um, and we're battling the algorithm. So we have to make these short form 30 second clips and YouTube shorts, they can either be 15 seconds or they can be a minute, but they can't be over a minute. So I have to compress a clip into a very short period of time, but we have available all of the long form content. So if you're commenting and you're angry on a 30 second clip, probably go watch the long-form content and then come back to me. Also, if you do comment, every single negative comment I posted and asked for clarification, not a single one replied. So, you know, maybe it's just a bunch of trolls, but either way, I wanted to clear the air and then also to say, if any of our clips upset you, go check out the long-form content on on the channel page and then uh, also comment and I will get back to you if you have some sort of disagreement, but um, there were a lot of ad hominem attacks against me, saying that it was Russian propaganda, that I don't know what I'm talking about, that I'm very opinionated by people who watched the 30-second clip. So, um, here we go. So, billions and billions and billions of dollars. Why are we doing At this point, let's just get involved and let's just conquer Ukraine. What are we doing? We're Funding. just making we more and swarms. more bloody. All of this for what? Like what, do we think Ukraine's gonna hold off Russia if Russia really wants to invade? People say yes. I don't they're know. They're taking I, a lot of casualties too, though, and they're offensive. Yeah. They've, they've taken mass cases. Well, you look at, let's <laughs> let's push this forward. Ukraine's going fine now. What ha- Eventually it will become politically inconvenient and the U.S. will cut off aid. Well, then Ukraine screwed Russia. They'll get funding from China. What is the end result of this, prolonging this conflict? And what for it as well? So, like I said, in the full episode which anyone can go look at i am not a fan of russia i am not a fan of putin i believe that putin is very corrupt i believe that russia is very corrupt i believe that they do not have america's best interest at heart that being said i also think that ukraine is incredibly corrupt and i think that there's a lot of there's a lot to this whole conflict there's ukraine is ethnically russian the U.S. said that we weren't going to border Russia, and yet we're talking about... Or NATO said they weren't going to border Russia, and then now they're moving to Poland. So there's a lot of complexities here. It's not as simple as good guys, bad guys. That's what everything I hear, and it's turned into a Republican-Democrat issue, but either way, it's a, a black and white, good guys versus bad guys. Even some people I was talking to who I'm friends with, who are in the military, who should have a better understanding of the complexity of war, We're talking about... How this conflict is very clear. It's the US versus basically Axis powers, the Axis powers being Russia. And I'm like, Ukraine has entire battalions, like the Azov battalion, of people who literally are Nazis. So, you know, I'm not saying that Russia's good, but definitely Ukraine's not good. And this entire thing is a big mess. There's a lot of fishy stuff where you look at the the intelligence reports about the size of the Russian military, the way they've been fighting. It's not a massive, large scale combined arms offensive, which is weird to me. If you're going to take, I I believe truly that Russia, and I, I know some people who've been over there, who are currently over there in several different capacities, who have access to very, very high levels of knowledge, and they don't understand. What exactly is going on? Because they've said basically Russia could take over Ukraine in a very short amount of time if they wanted to. So there's subtle pressure from us supporting Ukraine financially that maybe influences things and Russia's aggression. Whatever the case, there's there's weird stuff there. On top of that, my stance on this is I, I'm a paleo con when it comes to war. I don't think. I don't think that we should be involved in foreign conflicts unless absolutely necessary. And I certainly don't think a regional conflict between corrupt Ukraine and corrupt Russia, I don't think that's anything that we should be involved in. We have so many other things to worry about. So that was my point. And there's a tongue-in-cheek joke there at the beginning. We should just conquer Ukraine. I I joke about that. I say we should conquer Mexico. Um, But, you know, if we're going to get involved, basically what I was trying to say was we're either – In or we're out. Not this straddling the fence stuff, not blowing billions of dollars for, again, like I said in in the clip and the longer form content, what is the end result of this? I don't really see any end result that's, that's good for the West, that's good for America. I think that we just string this along and either end up in a hot war with Russia or eventually Ukraine gives up a bunch of territory and then we just wasted a bunch of money for no reason. I don't know. That's my personal opinion, but... Uh, I just wanted to clarify that. Um, Another thing I wanted to talk about, just briefly, um, so the Crowder controversy. Uh, For those who don't know, Stephen Crowder is probably the biggest YouTube influencer or YouTube show host on the right, uh, at least independent media. He has upwards of 6 million uh, followers, subscribers. He has his own independent channel or his own independent program, Mud Club, Um, And he came out, essentially, with a video. So let me backtrack a little bit. Steven Crowder had a contract with the Blaze, which is owned by Glenn Beck. Contract runs out. He needs to find a new home. He comes out, basically says, Big Con, which is... He basically said the Daily Wire, and not those exact words, but everyone knew it was the Daily Wire. Called them out for egregious contracts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Flash forward to now, the Daily Wire has come out, and they've basically rebutted everything he said. And I'm going to show a clip of of Candace Owens just wearing him out on Tim Pool's show, Um, because it's very. It is. I I don't want to say he's corrupt, but it's very dishonest what, what he's doing. Um, I'm not going to get into all the details. I don't want to, you can go look at Tim Pool's show, The Daily Wire, uh, Jeremy Boring, the owner of The Daily Wire, he posted a big response. So I'm not going to waste a ton of time on it. But I did want to point out that this is exactly why literally the timing's perfect. Because a few weeks ago, We had the episode, what's going on with the right or what's happening to the right. And in that episode, we played a clip of Crowder. He started out his show with a five minute monologue, basically saying, don't be, don't be center of the road. Don't take each individual issue. Um, You know, don't, you have to be either a hardline conservative or a hardline Democrat. It is us versus them. He's like, I don't punch right. He's like, it is us versus them. Good versus evil. Basically said, it's a dichotomy. And there is, no, there is no middle of the road anymore. And I came out and I said, no, that's absolutely wrong. You should take each individual issue as its own. You shouldn't just blindly follow one party or the other. Well, a few weeks later, now he's going back on his word saying, oh, big con. Oh, the right's got a, got a clean house. The right has to, to take care of these bad actors within our, our own borders. The right has to you know, have a new movement, has to break away. The right in many ways is worse than the left. So the reason I wanted to bring this up is to say, once again, this just reinstates my position. This us versus them mentality is garbage. And it, it's never been more evident on the right than it is right now with this Crowder situation. But um, I'm going to look up some of that real quick.
2: Bill, what you're describing, first and foremost, are the free markets, right? If yeah. you don't like it somewhere, leave. I thought we were conservatives. I thought that's what you're trying to preserve, right, a free market mentality. If this, if Daily Wire is so awful, right, and so predatory, and treating their talent so horrifically, they'd have no talent, right? Then literally, Stephen Crowder wouldn't have to launch a war, he just have to launch an alternative business with better contracts and people would leave willingly. They would say, there's more money there, there's better treatment, I'm leaving. That's how the free markets work, right? Because he did not feel, maybe he's feeling a little insecure. He thought that he was a free agent, he feels like he's Tom Brady. Everyone's gonna make me all these offers, and he thought like it came in extremely low. Tom Brady, I'm Tom Brady. Why am I getting offered fifty million dollars? That should be offered hundred and forty million dollars. And the team says, no, thank you, Tom Brady. And then he goes, well, oh, I'm effing Tom Brady. Well, the truth is, is like I think Stephen Crowder was feeling insecure. I think he was reeling after those negotiations. I think there are very few conservative networks that can offer him that money. He's actually, you know, he's burned a few bridges, right? Fox News, he's burned a bridge. He's burned a bridge with the blaze. How many other companies in the conservative movement does he think can reasonably afford? Afford to pay him what he thinks he's worth, right? The Daily Wire. So when he was done, I think that he was feeling tremendously insecure, right? When those negotiations failed in October or November, he stewed on it in November, stewed on it in December, came up in January and decided okay, I'm gonna have to launch my own outfit. I'm going to go after the Daily Wire. And his plot line included calling Jeremy Boring, catching him on, cam- on On We only have seen a piece of his conversation. Jeremy has already tweeted that he called him like, hey, let's catch up. And, then, and now he's, he was like, let's talk about the kids and Christmas. They were friends very close friends okay Stephen Crowder has said they were friends not colleagues not associates not you know like I would say me and Matt Walsh and we're we're associates but friends he called his friends to talk about Christmas and his kids and said he recorded him and then dropped that recording a week later pretending that he was doing this to to, to be a martyr I I just don't see how people don't realize this guy is a bad a fundamentally bad person like I, I I don't understand how this is even a debate
0: the phone call thing's rough I mean...
2: You, you, who records their friends? With friends like these, who needs enemies? Who needs the left when we've got friends like these in the conservative movement?
0: This pulled upon who is. The domain for Stop Big Con was registered on 12-12-2022. <laughs> who com? Stop Big Con was registered on 12-12-2022. The
2: internet sleuths are going to catch him. Crowder announces he
0: left the blaze and asks people to sign up for Mug Club on 12-15-2022.
2: It was all... Like, the fact... Like, Listen, I love you, Internet Slews, because this, is, of course, was going to happen, and this is the problem, is that Steven has to realize people are smart, okay? People are smart. They're going to figure it out. Oh, so you happened to look up, the to to register BigCon? Yeah, let's confirm that. What's Stop Big Con. Yeah, I got it right is here. Is it
3: stopbigcon.com?
0: Right
2: now, we are... 12-12-2022. So this
0: was, this was registered. Yeah. Stop Big Con was registered before he announced he was leaving the blaze. Is yeah. that what it was? He, Isn't that so weird? I he thought... announced
1: he was leaving the blaze on 12th. Of... I don't well, look, it. guys. All right, so... Uh, I'm just going to go to a quick little uh, blurb of Ben Shapiro because uh, he also had a pretty good timeline breakdown of this. And the reason I'm I'm going to be thorough on this is because I don't like punching right. Write me a rap song. I mean, I I really like. Let's see. Um, well, folks, I, I really like. Crowder, I really like, like, everyone that I talked about in that episode, What's Happening to the Right. I really like Gavin McInnes, really like Anthony Cumia, I like Tim Pool. I like Tim Pool. I like um, Savannah Hernandez. I like The Daily Wire. But we got to, if we don't hold our own accountable, and, you know, I say our own. I'm not a Republican, but that's the side that tends to support individual liberty, so it's where I find myself most of the time. If we don't hold ourselves accountable accountable, and we don't keep a tight ship, well, then we're going to have a pretty, a pretty rough go of it when storms come.
4: I'm sure many of you have seen the controversy that has broken out between, I would say, our former friend Stephen Crowder and those of us here at The Daily Wire.
1: Either this, this has to stop or
4: I'm going to have to stop. And it makes me sick to my stomach. I know that my business partner, Jeremy Boring, has made him sick to his stomach as well, because we had always considered Stephen a friend. I was Stephen's first lawyer. I helped negotiate his contract with Fox News. going all the way back. There's gotta be at least over a decade. And and Stephen and I had always been very friendly. I know Jeremy was even friendlier with Stephen, had counseled him in very rough times. Uh, I had personally attempted to intervene when Stephen was demonetized in June, 2019 on YouTube I actually sounded off so loudly that the people at YouTube reached out to me and Susan Washkiki, the head of YouTube, got on the phone with me and I reamed her out over demonetizing Steven. And um, I hope it made a difference. And supposedly, this line of attack came from that term sheet, right? The idea was that the term sheet was doing the work of big tech because the term sheet suggested that if he got demonetized from YouTube and we both lost money, that he would also lose money. What he apparently wanted us to do was continue to pay him extraordinary sums of money even if the show was losing money, which is called a charity. It is not called a business. The hardest thing to do in the conservative movement or anywhere else is to, one, run a successful business, and two, make a difference. We here at Daily Wire do both things. In fact, we try to generate a profit so we can continue to sue the Biden administration to stop the— Okay, there, is, there are a bunch of problems with this. The, 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 I was willing to stay silent on all of this, generally speaking, and not get into the weeds and not get into Stephen's personal conduct until the point when he personally recorded a phone call with my best friend, Jeremy Boring, And then proceeded to release that publicly. That is disgusting. It is disgusting, and it is vile on a pure human level. Jeremy again has gone out of his way for Stephen more times than I can count. has counselled Stephen personally, and Stephen decided in premeditated fashion that he was going to tape his friend and then release it to grow his email list. It is that simple. And I'll I'll show you the timeline here because the the case here is that again. This term sheet that he got, he was so offended by it, he just had to speak up. He, he couldn't be held back any longer. He had to speak up on behalf of the little guy. Okay, I'm gonna read you the timeline of what happened during this negotiation and, uh, and when he decided to tape his friend, his supposed friend, Jeremy Boring. So here is the timeline here. October 5th, 2022 is when we sent Stephen this supposedly evil term sheet. So evil. So, so you would imagine that if the term sheet was that evil, October 6th, he couldn't have held back. How could you guys do this? It would be just... October 5th is when we sent him this term sheet offering him $50 million over four years plus a two-year extension for 25 mil. You know, basketball player type money. On November 2nd, Stephen called up Jeremy and said, I want $30 million a year and a bunch of changes to the term sheet. I'm not gonna redline the term sheet. I'm not gonna edit the term sheet. I just want you to send me a brand new offer. On November 6th, four days later, remember, this is after he's already sounded off. He's got the term sheet. He's had it for a month. November 6th was election night. You'll recall, if you're a Daily Wire fan, Steven Crowder appeared on our election night coverage. Everything was very friendly. Everything was very chummy. Everything was great. November 14th or thereabouts, we decided that we couldn't meet his demands, that his demands were not rational in business terms, that he wanted too much money and all the rest of it. So we let him know, you know, no hard feelings. We're still friends, just like we do in every contract negotiation. As Tim Poole said on his show last night, you know, we've had contract negotiations with Tim And we disagreed and we went our separate ways and we still liked him. Tim still likes us and all the rest. Okay, so November 14th or thereabouts, we told Stephen that we couldn't meet his demands. Fast forward another month, December 12th, he registered the site Stop Big Con. Okay, that's when he registered it. Remember, October 5th is when he received the terms. November 14th is when we said we could not meet his demands. December 12th is when he registered Stop Big Con because he knew that three days later, he was going to be announcing that he was leaving the blaze. He needed a plan and attacking us was the plan. December 15th, he announced he was leaving the blaze. A month after that, he texted Jeremy in friendly fashion to ask if they could talk. On January 9th, he called Jeremy and proceeded to tape him. Without permission, without Jeremy's knowledge, he proceeded to tape a person who was supposedly his friend. And remember, this is all based on the passion of the upset that he had over a term sheet that was submitted to him on October 5th. It is a month, it's actually 36 days, after so 30 January 17th is when he launches stop big con.
1: Com- so that's what that's the real shady shady part and that's where like I I'll be perfectly honest I haven't I don't trust any any of these people I, don't, I, don't, I mean I you shouldn't trust me I mean always verify always look more into stuff and understand that everybody has an agenda my agenda I try to be honest about it it's individual Liberty I'm gonna have personal biases against people. Um, like for instance, I, I don't, I haven't liked Crowder for a while, just because I I think that he's gotten "quote unquote" too big for his britches. I think that he he's become arrogant. I think that he's become slightly dishonest and a bit of a hack. Um, but I'm not I'm not gonna go down on a huge rabbit hole anymore with that. Um, if you if you care about any of that, you can go and look up more about that feud. But I just wanted to show some of that. Um, just because I thought, I thought it was relevant. And it's a good reminder. Never, never put too much stock into people. Always understand that everyone has an agenda and also don't blindly follow someone just because they're quote unquote on your team. All right. Um, so Davos, I I don't really want to spend a whole lot of time talking about, well, let's see. Let's, um, Davos, um, Yeah, I have to wonder, is this anything new, Um, billionaires being hypocrites? Um, So let's see, Greenpeace International, a global climate group that opposes fossil fuels, released a study showing that elites largely travel to the World Economic Forum's WEF annual conference via private jets. That's what Davos is, is the World Economic Forum's giant conference where they basically decide how they're going to make all of us peasants live and how they're going to design a better future. The analysis published last week by Greenpeace and the environmental research firm CEDEL Delft showed that there was a significant uptick in private jet flights, many of which were short-distance to airports near W.E.F.'s headquarters in Davos, Switzerland. During the 2022 summit, the group released a study of W.E.F.'s 2023 summit, which is slated to kick off this week. Um, Let's see. So the study determined that 1,040 flights on private jets were recorded, arriving and departing seven airstrips close to Davos during the week of 2022 um, WEF conference. Just keep in mind, those are all jets that are being flown by people well, being flown by private pilots who are flying people who want you to have no car. They don't want you to have a gas stove. It's all rules for thee and not for me. You have people... I mean, this is the type of stuff that Leonardo DiCaprio goes to and Matt Damon goes to and, you know, they have the biggest houses in Hollywood. Like it's almost it's almost like a joke, the level of hypocrisy, like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck having the biggest houses in Hollywood as they're also the biggest climate activist. Um, It's yeah, it's it's just uh, annoying, disgusting, but uh, it's not really it's not surprising. I don't know why people are still shocked by this. We we can see more now behind the curtain, but nobody, this is not new to anybody, so I'm not going to waste a lot of time on it. Just thought it was worth mentioning. He may talk a good game about EVs and going green, but Fox News has learned he also racked up a whole lot of miles on... What? Oh, this isn't even related. Oh, I hate how they do this. All of the news sites. They have completely unrelated stories his love for flying when he told Conde Nast, quote... I don't care. And again, oh, politicians are dishonest? Wow. Shocking news. Wow, they're hypocrites? Wow, shocking news. Um, Alright, another thing that nobody cares about right now um, is, let's see, the Biden documents. Here's why I don't care about it. A, none of these people ever come to justice b i think it's a win for the democrats either way they don't like biden they want biden out anyway this just gives them an out, a reason to get rid of biden without making him look senile or making it look like they made a mistake and they get to attack trump even harder without looking like hypocrites it's nothing but a win for the dnc um, also i mean again what, what's going to happen there's not going to be any justice there's never justice All right, well, I guess that's not going to play. All right, so let's see. President Joe Biden said Thursday he has no regrets as the investigation continues into the classified documents found at his home and office. Biden broke his silence on the issue for the first time this week, despite repeated questions from reporters during a trip to California to survey storm damage. Yeah, I mean, it's just he had a bunch of documents. People, People in the presidency, they steal stuff all the time. Yeah, people, presidents steal things. Presidents keep classified documents. Vice presidents do the same thing. Who cares? Let's focus our energy elsewhere. Um, And by us, again, I guess in this case I'm talking about right-leaning people, but just anyone who likes liberty. It's like uh, Davos should be a way bigger story. We should be paying attention to the World Economic Forum, but nobody cares. Um, Let's see. So... Uh, Nepal plane crash um, Killed 68 people Likely 72 I think it's up to 70 now Um, I thought this was interesting Because I mean It's still incredible to me That we 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 have airplanes I mean Less than a hundred Or I guess a little bit Over a hundred years ago Yeah A little bit over a hundred years ago We learned how to fly And now we have Just commercial airliners Hanging around at 30,000 feet I mean, it's still it's incredible to me. For the vast majority of human history, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of years, it wasn't even a concept that we could fly. And then within a hundred years, you just go casually get on a plane, you you spend two hundred bucks, and then you go fly somewhere, thirty thousand feet. It's incredible, um, and it feels normal. But yeah, it feels normal. But uh, things can still go awry rather quickly. Um, and that's what happened in this Nepal Nepal plane crash. Uh, so we're going to look at some videos of that. Because I found a video of the final, vi- um, like after it had already crashed. And it's, uh, it's pretty trippy. I right hear it's coming in. Let's, let's see. So for those listening, it's coming in and starts to dip down. The left wing goes down. Here's the aftermath, just a big smoldering pile.
3: It
1: says hundreds of rescue workers scouring the hillside, crash site in Pokhara. Yeah, there's nothing left. Just wreckage. What's crazy is it looks like it was going extremely slow. So It's like, I, They still don't know what happened. It's stalled, but it's still like, all right, is there any way to try and glide? I don't know. This sounds stupid, but I've always thought that they should try and have some sort of, like, parachutes. That, like, if you're high enough, you could just, the back would blow off. And then you'd have a bunch of parachutes. Like, basically, the entire inside of the hole would have a parachute inside of it. And then you could... It would shoot out, catch the plane. It would tip forward, but then it would land safely. That or maybe on the top, kind of like ejection ejection seats. I don't even know if this is possible, but how... Some military vehicles, they have armor, that it's actually a plate. And then as a projectile comes in, it blows off that plate and basically attacks the projectile. I wonder if you could have something like that where the top of the plane... You have parachutes underneath, and then you press the button. Oh, crap, we're going down. Pops out a bunch of parachutes and then just catches you. I don't know. I'm sure they've worked on it, so it's probably a dumb thing to say. Um, all right. Let's see here. So, tragic twist discovered involving co pilot in a Nepal plane crash. I haven't read this. Families mourn for their loved ones. Um, it oh, looks like it's just a video. <laughs> A family in shock.
3: (laughs) Their son, Abhishek Kushwaha was on vacation in Nepal with three of his friends when their plane suddenly crashed on Sunday. (laughs) We lost our family's only breadwinner, says his father in India. He was an accomplished, educated boy. An eyewitness happened to record the doomed Yeti Airlines plane abruptly banking seconds before it crashed. The aircraft slammed into a deep gorge, carrying 72 passengers and crew. A difficult search and rescue operation, forcing emergency workers to use ropes and cranes. Most of those on board were Nepalis, as well as 15 passengers from India, Russia, Korea, Australia, Argentina, Ireland, and France. Authorities say they lost communication with the plane 18 minutes into what was supposed to be a 25-minute flight from the capital Kathmandu to Nepal's second-largest city Pokhara. In a short flight, that the workload is higher on the pilots. You've, you've obviously got you've got the takeoff, uh, the climb. Uh, you, you're only in cruise really for a, a minute or two, if if that, uh, and then you then you're descending. Nepal's prime minister announced a national day of mourning on Monday, and formed a five-person committee to investigate the cause of the crash. Experts say the aircraft itself, a French-Italian-made ATR-72 twin-engine turboprop, has a decent track record for safety, unlike the aviation industry in Nepal. Since 2000, um, there's been 33 serious incidents in Nepal, of which 21 have been fatal. Okay, that's so a So the track record is not good. High in the Himalayas, Nepal is home to some of the world's tallest mountains. The country saw deadly plane crashes in 2016, 2018, and as recently as May of last year. Nearly 10 years ago, concern over safety standards prompted the European Union to ban all Nepali airlines from flying to Europe. Those details of little concern to family members waiting outside a hospital in Pokhara, waiting for the final return of their loved ones.
1: Alright, so I guess moral of that story is don't get on Nepali airplanes. Sounds like they're death traps. Um I don't know if that's because of the altitude or what, but um anyway, I have a video here if my piece of crap computer would go up. This is the final the final moments it shows afterwards even it inflamed. So this is pretty intense for the viewer um, or the the listener. It's just a a video being recorded by a guy on, on the actual plane. I think you can find this video pretty easily, but it cuts off as they crash, and it's pretty abrupt when they crash. You don't see much. It's turning left over the city right there. So I guess they were already in a a gradual turn. I think this is where they kind of lose power. Or stall. It's just maybe coming in too slow. <laughs> That's how quick it crashes. And to the listener, it's just you just see flames. The phone's still recording though, which is crazy. You see some trees. It's moving around. I don't know if that's somebody trying to move and get out or you don't hear any screams or anything. yeah that's pretty wild again it's it's seems normal, but it's still pretty crazy that uh we can we can fly planes and we can hang out at thirty thousand feet um but I guess it's still safer than cars but um all right, so we're gonna go back we're gonna go back to Tim pool a little bit here um to talk about Alec Baldwin. Just because this was a little, it's obviously sad that someone died. I'm not, I'm not happy that someone died. But it does bring me joy that Alex Baldwin, that pompous ass, is getting some some justice. Especially because the first thing he did when this whole thing happened, for those who don't remember, he was on the set of a new movie, Rust. Gun goes off, kills someone, injures someone else. The first thing he tweeted out was, I, somebody's responsible for this. I don't know who it is, but it's not me. Like, Let turn. me
0: just say at the start of this segment, ladies and gentlemen, I believe I called it, and I had people telling me I was crazy and telling me I was wrong. He's being charged with invol; he's going to be charged with involuntary manslaughter. So is the armorer. Another guy, the assistant director, I think, uh, took a plea bargain, plea deal for negligent uh, discharge of a firearm. But let me tell you why I said I called it. There's a very important part in uh, in this story that I will pull up right here. Vanity Fair says. In addition to the bullet that killed Hutchins, well, I'm sorry, let me slow down. Alec Baldwin, as you know, about a year ago was on the set of a movie called Rust. He was using a real gun in the filming, aimed it at the cinematographer during filming, pulled the, tri- pulled the hammer back, pulled the trigger, shooting her in the chest, penetrating her body and hitting another guy in the shoulder. Everybody was arguing whether it was an accident, how could the bullet have gotten the gun? I made the argument that we had learned Alec Baldwin was in a dispute, the, the, I should say, the the execs of the movie production, the, the higher-ups, which includes Alec Baldwin, were in dispute with the crew. The crew was threatening to walk off set. There was animosity. Alec Baldwin said he was friends with her, then he said they weren't friends, they didn't know each other.
1: He- so I just want to point out, as, as I'm reading or looking at this article, in addition to the bullet that killed Hutchins, investigators fi- found five additional live rounds of ammunition mingled among the movie's props and costumes. That's probably a low estimate of how many rounds were laying around because, you know, as soon as this happened, they started looking everywhere for any bullets and trying to dump them. So, yeah, they found five live rounds. There are probably a lot more. Anyone in the military who's done, you've been at a range and they call it a, they basically do a brass inspection where they make you dump your packs and they check everywhere. You have to pull out your pockets and you'd be amazed where just a casing of a round will end up. He had a a dinner with her. sounded like they were friends.
0: Or was it negotiations? He also said in an interview that she was very forceful. I can't remember the word he used. And she kept telling him to do things over and over again. It sounded like he was venting frustrations. About Helena. About Helena.
2: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Right. And so I said, that sounds to me like motive. Motive. What is it? Your crew is threatening to walk off set, costing you money. And Helena Hutchins was doing what cinematographers aren't supposed to do, giving you direction. That he seemed annoyed by, my personal opinion, but it's something he expressed. Opportunity, he had a gun, a real gun, that was supposed to be pointed, not at a human being. This is against the rules in any movie set. You never point a gun at a person no matter what. This well, is against the
2: rules ever, always yeah, in always. shooting. Like and not just unless, you're, unless you're
0: intending to destroy it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and hunting Baldwin yeah. lied and said he never pulled the trigger, just went off. That's impossible. It was a single action revolver, hammer has to be pulled back, trigger has right. to be pulled. They were using the gun from the movie to shoot real bullets. They knew there were negligent discharges on set. That is, that that, that says to me that they say it requires more than simple negligence. The first charge is simple involuntary manslaughter. For this to be proved, there must be underlying negligence. Under New Mexico law, involuntary manslaughter is a fourth degree felony, punishable by up to 18 months in jail and a $5,000 fine. It includes the misdemeanor charge of negligent use of a firearm. Seems like a slap on the wrist. The other charge is involuntary manslaughter in the commission of a lawful act. This charge requires proof that there was more than simple negligence involved in the death. It's also a fourth degree felony punishable by up to 18 months in jail and a $5,000 fine. However, this charge includes a firearm enhancement or added mandatory penalty because a firearm was involved. The firearm enhancement makes the crime punishable by a mandatory five years in jail. Based on the official narrative, Alec Baldwin should get the mandatory minimum. I'm not a fan of mandatory minimums, and I don't think justice will be served necessarily by sending Alec Baldwin to prison for five years. But based on the laws it stands, I'll tell you why I think he should go to jail for five years. Negligence. He was running the show. He was the producer. They were using the gun from the movie to shoot real bullets. They knew there were negligent discharges on set. That is, that, that that says to me that they say it requires more than simple negligence. Simple negligence, in my opinion, and maybe it's a legal term, so maybe I'm wrong, but my opinion on this is if someone, unbeknownst to Alec Baldwin, was using live bullets, I'd say, look, Alec, he should have had, um, he should have known where that gun was
1: at all, time, all times. Someone should have been in charge. All right, you get the point. He, he's going down. The question is just a matter of how hard he's going down. And, you know, it is what it is. Someone's dead, so he deserves it. Um, I hate when people say, oh, he deserves it. But in this case, yeah, he does, he does deserve punishment. And all too often, these elites don't get any of the punishment that they deserve. Um, speaking of elites and people who need punishment, um, and just bad behavior in general, um, this girl, Christine Rock, um, some rapper's girlfriend uh, is absolutely insane. Um, but I happen to see this come across my feed and I wanted to show it because this shows this disgusting hip hop culture that I kind of complained about in the last episode where people just glorify thugs and gangsters. You're just children. If you're a petty criminal, you're a child. All these rappers that glorify hip hop, glorify the lifestyle, they're children. And this is a perfect ex- example. She's on a show with her boyfriend. They're getting into a fight. They're notorious for doing this. And then security is trying to get rid of her. And it's literally like watching a, a little baby, like a toddler. We
2: got the hottest couple on the internet. Pretty much. But right now, people just look at I these people ask, as I if I they're, oh, they're role mean, models. Man, bro. Can I ask you a question? Right so, it's
1: the life we chose. you're saying you're bad. No, bad. I said, that's bad. I'm not that saying mentality. you're bad. You're trying to say,
2: and you're trying to gra- gaslight me. Just let me talk for myself. I don't like nobody setting me up in a conversation. Playing for. Let me talk
3: for myself. So, it's sensitive. I think, I think what you playing for?
1: I think, I think I'm going to finish the oh,
3: Are you not? You want to do it
1: by yourself? What do you mean? do, it, I'm gonna do it. I'm are by myself. Are you looking at me? No, no, no. Wait, this is what I'm saying. Fuck no, because you're being weird. What's up for? <laughs> Is that just trying to be cool? Or is that someone who's literally just too lazy to speak? Why? What is with rappers these days where they can't use their words? They just mumble like brain-dead drones. And you listen to her. I mean, just completely butchering the English language. And no one has nothing to do with them being black. There's a very specific type of talking. And it is permeated all all races at this point it's that that hip hop culture hood sort of lingo where you just are too lazy to even finish your words the price of got too high no take her outside take her outside take her outside i don't speak for you right that's what you said the whole interview i don't speak for you so now you're cut like Bro, close the blinds. Bro, close the blinds. Take her outside if you got to. Why are you this kidding me? Take her outside. I can't. No, I why are you not giving me attention? That's really what she's I'm saying outside. there. Take her outside, please. Pick her up, buy her an Don't come outside. No, please. No, why are come. doing so this? So you want to be a man? A I'm afraid. I'm not being I'm a man. come here. Oh. You come here. Bobby,
2: you come here.
1: Yeah, ain't nobody trying to grab you, woman, ever like Johnny. If people trying to just be respectful. You'll still be able to talk and assess the situation, but right now, yeah, I just think it's best. Who is this guy? <laughs> off that Hennessy, man. Does he also have a medical condition? I feel like that's the way I come across wearing Blue, these glasses. No. Yeah, just a little child. <laughs> I'm gonna kick the. Several hey, thousand dollar here, TV. Bro, like? bro. Chick's saying Why bro, do you do that? is so unattractive. Blue, what are you doing that pot, yeah. or, you what is this sense of entitlement no. to? Don't worry
2: about what? No. Oh, okay, your Blue, what are you doing, mommy? Mm-hmm.
1: Here. I'm... This is someone who from the time they were born, their mother didn't care what they did. And their entire life, they have just been completely undisciplined. Just able to do whatever they want. No consequences. They're in the hood. They don't live in society. And then people try to bring them into society because they're rich, because they're, they're famous. They're just incompatible with society. This hip-hop culture is incompatible with society. have been in the limelight for quite some time now. Do you really, because she's got this fame now? Do you yeah. feel like she's mentally prepared and ready to take on this new this new life? It wouldn't matter if would she was working wrong. at she's Kmart. Tapping. I mean, seriously, it wouldn't matter if she's working at Kmart. She's a complete lunatic. And no, she's not a lunatic. She knows what she's doing. She's just a crybaby who wants attention. And I feel like this is this is the culture. This is this hip hop culture. This me, me, me. And, you know, it's, it's not just about rap. It has just become my generation, the way we view the world. Um, all right. So last but not least, we're going to end off, um, again, short sh- short show, um, just a solo episode, a bit more slower paced. Um, but if you stuck around, I appreciate it. Um, I'm not... You know, not super high energy. Um, Again, still dealing with these medical issues, but thanks for sticking around. Um, So, this new segment that we're going to start doing every now and again uh, WTF America. Anyway, this uh, new segment that we're going to be doing is called WTF America, and basically it's taking something that has to do with American culture, which in this case could have been hip-hop culture, but it's kind of an extension of that, um, and it's, we're just going to critique it, um, and in this case I want to talk about Crocs in the gym. I'm starting to see this more and more. I live in South Phoenix. I Why? What is going on here?
3: I ain't even gotta walk in with my
1: this is not abnormal I mean to see loud. people wearing these shoes in the gym And I'm not a fashion guru But what are you doing? Come on ladies, try harder I see this all the time Look at that Like what are you, what are you doing? You're going to go do some deadlifts with Crocs on? I don't have a lot to say when it comes to gym fashion I don't have a lot of standards, but I draw the line at Crocs. Don't wear Crocs to the gym. Don't get on flights in Nepal. And keep a book on your nightstand. Read it before you go to bed. That way you're smarter tomorrow than you were today. We got to. We got to. We got to.